You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. What's up, guys? Welcome into Good Morning Lambo. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. You can email us, Packers Total Access at gmail.com. Text us, 865-658-5824. I'm joined alongside Tim live in Green Bay. I'll tell you what, Tim, the voice may go on this show. We're going we're gonna to try to muscle through here, keep ourselves off the IR, but it's getting down into the teens at night and up into the 60s during the day, so my body is going, what in the hell is going on out here? <laughs> <laughs> How you doing this morning, Bob? I'm doing good, man. I feel you, man. It's the same thing, same thing up here, man. A cold at night, and then we're getting like almost 40s during the day. So, which is balmy up there, isn't it, man? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Definitely. Want to give a shout out to the chat. We got Peter Stone in the house, Ron Samble, Eric Sutherland, Blake B. Uh, the the second Ron in the chat, Ron with the cheese head or cheese emoji. Good good morning, guys. Hope y'all are doing great on this awesome Tuesday. I'm expecting a lot crowd, to be honest with you, because, you know, obviously I think a lot of people were off of work yesterday. Everybody kind of getting back to the grind. One thing I love about being self-employed, being a business owner, I usually don't take those kind of days off when it's my working season. Um, I can't, I don't know how you feel, Tim, but man, when I take a three-day weekend, four-day weekend, it just makes it that much more rough coming back in, man. Well, are, sure are, you a big, are you a big fan of vacations or not? I mean, I am, but I, I'm the guy that always builds a buffer day into them so I can have a day before I go back, you know, to the grind. Right. So I kind of get Treat my it like a work day, even though, you yeah, almost get yourself back in the swing. Um, but yeah, man, that's tough. And you know how it is though. You own a business, man. You're never really off. <laughs> There's never really an off day. There's always something to do, right? There is. Yeah. And, uh, I think the biggest, the biggest perk is just not having to put up with any a-holes, you know, yep. um, that's, I'm telling you, man, it, I'm unemployable now. Um, and I don't say that like cocky or arrogant. I'm just simply, I'm ruined. I can never go back to working for someone else. It would just, it would not work. We would be like this all day long, just clashing. Just would not work. But uh, nonetheless, let's, uh, let's kind of get into a little bit of Packers talk, man. We got a history segment ready to go. We got a little 30, 13 mock draft. We're going to hit on, and we may have time to do our own mock. We'll see what happens. First things first though, thought this was a cool graphic that was shared on Twitter by Jacob Morley. If you guys aren't following him, go give him a follow at Jacob Morley. Um, he just put wild and it's basically a stat for those of you on the pod. It's a screen grab, um, a graphic, if you will. It shows Tucker Kraft, George Kittle, and Travis Kelsey together. I think we would all agree that George Kittle and Travis Kelsey, pretty solid tight ends, right? This is yards after catch. It says yards after catch average among tight ends. And it looks like Tucker Kraft actually led the league, I'm assuming, or at least he was over George Kittle and Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey came in at five yards um, uh, after the catch average. George Kittle at 7.4 and Tucker Kraft at 7.5. And, you know, much like the receiver room, Tim, all year long, you kind of looked at it like Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs were 1A, 1B, and you could flip-flop those either way you wanted. And then as we get halfway through the season, you look up and go, Octavian Wicks and Jaden Reed are actually performing better, believe it or not, right, um, given the opportunities they had. 
And when you look at Tucker Craft, I'm as excited about Luke Musgrave as anyone. You guys know I had him real high on my board. I think I had him somewhere around 22 when we took him. He was, And when I say 22, that was overall. Like I had him towards the top of the draft, right, um, worthy of a first-round pick, actually. So I'm a big, big Luke Musgrave guy. But I, I, to me personally, Tim, and I want to get your take, looking back on the season after watching the tape and everything, I feel like Tucker Craft had a better year than Luke Musgrave did. Forget the injuries, just strictly them on the field. Who was better? I feel like Tucker Craft, by the end of the season especially, had really had really honed his skills, whether it's blocking uh, and or in the passing game. I think he's uh, poised to take – both of them are poised to take a good second-year leap. But uh, I, I would have to give the edge to Tucker Craft right now. How do you feel about that, man? Yeah, I would agree with that. I think he had kind of a – a slow start like a lot of the Packers did um, last year, but uh, he got better every single week, really. And I, I think the thing with Musgrave is you're right. I mean, set the injuries aside, but you know, the injuries kind of robbed Musgrave of some of that momentum. And uh, really you could, you could probably directly attribute Tucker Kraft's growth to the fact that he got more snaps and he was out there. Um, but yeah, man, I'm excited about both of those tight ends and uh you know, two solid pieces there to build around. Um, I'm sure we're going to be looking at, uh, you know, third and fourth on the depth chart at that position who we're going to bring in, assuming that, um, you know, I don't know if we'll see Tyler Davis here again. I don't know if we'll see uh, Josiah DeGuara here again. Um, you know, I think of Ben Sims coming up next maybe. But, uh, yeah, Tucker Craft, that guy's just uh, – I mean, if you – you talk about prototypical tight ends – I mean, we have two of them in Tucker Craft and, and Luke Musgrave, man. So a lot to be excited about. Yeah, for sure, man. And that's why I'm not putting a whole lot of emphasis on tight end in the draft. I think we do need a fourth tight end on the roster. Now, we may go out and get him and you know, as an undrafted free agent like we did Ben Sims. I'm kind of excited about Ben Sims, too, for the, the value that they grabbed there as a as a free agent, you know, not having to compete really with anyone. Ben Sims is one of those guys that I remember I got to give Jacob credit for this. Jacob Buss, he he was on the show and he was like highlighting, you know, his some of his traits and and you know, kind of size and things like that. And I'm just I'm kind of rolling my eyes like, man, these guys come a dime a dozen. Ben Sims to me, I mean, there was there was a good portion of the season that he was actually grading out higher than both Luke Musgrave and Tucker Kraft, which is pretty wild to think about. Now I think he settled in third, you know, behind them, but Nonetheless, I think uh, I think we're pretty well set at at, uh, at tight end for sure. CL Freeman in the chat said, "Is there any more Wisconsin guy than Kraft?" I don't think there is, man. I absolutely love that dude. Um, and uh, let's see here. Uh, we'll get to the other chat here in a minute. Um, when it comes to Tucker Kraft, when we look at the yards after the catch, I immediately thought, "What plays stood out to me?" Check this one out, Tim. Here's let's let's lead off with this one first. Let me get this graphic down again. Seven point five yards after catch. Anybody remember this one right here, where he just absolutely bounces the Minnesota Vikings player off the turf? I mean, look at this dude. Bang! That is a stiff arm. Yes, it is. Let's watch it from a different angle here too. Absolutely low. Look at this. Oh yeah, get that. <laughs> And again, him bouncing off the turf, boom. Now, I got to be careful with this next clip. This is a video that I put together on Twitter, okay? And we will get hit with a huge copyright if I'm not careful. But we're going to – hey, we're, we're just uh, – as Austin Powers said, I too like to live dangerous, okay? So we're going <laughs> to we're gonna play it here. I got to cue it up perfect at the end. A little bit of language, but, hey, we're all grown-ups here, all right? This was uh, Tucker Kraft running over a Kansas City Chief. All the numbers love perfect so far. 
Somebody come and look at this. <laughs> I think I hit it in time. And then, of course, you got that right the, at the end. That's where the song plays right there, okay? Oh, yeah, that's – got to love that picture, man. The bush latte and, and a lung dart. Is that is that a Marlboro or is that a Palm Oil? What are we smoking there, Tim? What is that? That's it, I don't know. That's probably a Marb Light. Uh, he's Marb probably Light. smoking the lights. You know, he's a pro athlete, so it's probably <laughs> – Try taking it easy, you know. You love it. You got to give, got to give the lungs a little bit of a break. A little bit of a breather, you know. It's off season, you know. But no full flavors for uh, for Tucker. Exactly. When CL Freeman said, "Is there any more Wisconsin guy than Kraft?" This is immediately what I thought of right here. Right, got the car hard on. He's out there ice fishing. Got the bush latte and the and the lung dart. It doesn't get any better than that, man. So, um, I'm I'm glad he's a, a Packer, man. I, I'm really really excited to see what he does moving forward. I mean, the, st- the, the leaps that he took during the season, I can't, I can't say it enough. It was like, never did I look up and go, all right, man, this guy's got a ton of talent. He's just raw. I didn't see it that way. It was just kind of like, eh, I mean, what do we have here? He's a big guy. That's it. Right. Um, and, and obviously he's athletic, but it was like within a two or a three game span after he took over two or three games after he took over for Luke Musgrave, you started looking up, and it's like he's getting off the ball quicker. He's getting to the second level quicker. He's 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 more solid in his blocks. His hands, at the to the best of my knowledge, he didn't drop a pass all year long. I think the one drop that came at the very end of the season was actually considered an inaccurate pass, which wouldn't have been a drop, but it did hit his hands, you know, and and he didn't didn't haul it in. But he showed good hands. He showed to be a decent blocker by the end of the season. He showed that he can run over people. He showed that he can stay healthy. I don't know what else you could ask for in a in a rookie tight end, man. I'm excited to see what he does here in his year two campaign for sure, man. Yep. Um, I think, you know, going away from the fullback in our offense and choosing to, to run with, you know, tight end heavy is exactly why we're where we are. It allows us to load up on guys like this. And like you always say, take multiple swings in the draft and, Try and load load your uh, rooms up with as much talent as you can, and not having to carry a fullback is going to allow you, you know, the opportunity for your tight ends to flourish. And I think we saw that uh, last season for sure. Yeah, definitely, man, definitely. Uh, let's go to the chat real quick here. Let's see. Randy Cleaver says Kraft is a dog. Um, Reef says, but Musgrave might have a higher ceiling. Uh, you would think so, right? Being drafted higher, having a having a little bit more athletic ability. Really, you got two different types of tight ends there too, though. Tucker Craft is more of that inline, right? Inline. He he may have breakaway speed, not to the point that 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 Luke Musgrave does, right? You can see it all over the tape. Luke Musgrave, in my opinion, is one of those tight ends that you could put on the boundary if you wanted to. Yeah. You could put him on the boundary and Tucker Craft. So what does that do when we talk about boundary? That's the short side of the field. Okay. That's what boundary means. And the reason it's so important to understand the difference between boundary and field side is because when you put someone in the boundary X, you're basically putting them on the short side of the field and you're forcing the defense to have to focus on the large side of the field. So you're creating more of an isolation play on the left. And what I mean is, what if they just play a basic two-man under? If they go two-man under, mean a man coverage, two safeties high, right? If you've got your best player on the boundary X uh, spot, in the boundary X position opposite the tight end, that means you've got Trey or Trips on the right side and you would have him on the left of the boundary. You're forcing that safety to cover one guy only, right? Now, they may go, all right, just man him up. Well, if you've got a really good boundary X and they just go one-on-one, 
there's your Devontae Adams matchup that we have for so many years, right? So it's why it's important. Like if you could get Luke Musgrave to the point that he could play boundary X consistently, now what you can do is come out in 12 personnel and still show a tray on the right side, meaning one running back, two tight ends with Tucker Craft attached on the field side, Musgrave at the boundary X, your two wide receivers opposite that, you're going to force somewhat of an isolation play there. What it also does, Tim, if they're in a if they if they come out in a base set, they're going to have to roll those backers to the strong side to the field side, right? And when they do that, now you're setting yourself up for a nice toss crack to the left. Oh, by the way, it's Tucker Craft out there one on one blocking with most likely a safety or a linebacker. You really like your chances running outside there. Even a fake toss boot action to the right, and then you can have Tucker Craft dragging across and maybe run some kind of flood concept on the, on the field side. Just a multitude of things you can do when you've got two tight ends, one of which uh, could be kind of that wide receiver hybrid that Musgrave has the uh, the potential to be. So, um, yeah, such a nerd. God, I love this game, man. Um, Doug says, uh, unfiltered camels, what he said. <laughs> it, you sure about that? The only thing that would have made it better is if you could see that he had tore the filter off. You know what I mean? It would have been absolutely awesome. Several people back home, they just uh, they couldn't – they didn't get cancer quick enough. They wanted to speed up the process. <laughs> They're tearing off the filter. Ron in the chat said, appreciate all the prep you put in, Clayton. Good stuff. Hey, we appreciate you hanging out, man. It's uh, This is a hobby for me, man. I love this stuff, and uh, and you guys make it so much better. Uh, Zane Strong said, baby Gronk is a legend. So they're calling uh, Tucker Craft baby Gronk. Um, You know – Anytime you compare someone to a first ballot Hall of Famer, arguably the best tight end in the history of the game, you're you're probably stepping over a boundary a bit. But I can see where you get that from. He's got kind of that same play style, right? Gronk, Gronk was really good at blocking. If Tucker Craft ends up being three quarters of the player that Gronk was, we're set at tight end for a long time. There's no doubt about it. Um Jay in the chat said, love the tight end room. Some real football players. Yeah, it's it's a total overhaul. There's no doubt about that, man, for yep. sure. Um, let's see here. What else we got in the chat? I think we're good. I think we're all caught up. I had one start earlier. Here we go. Eric Sutherland taking a little, little Bears shot. He said, Fields unfollowed the Bears. Might be over in Chicago. Maybe we can bring him in as running back, too. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I don't know if he could beat out Emmanuel Wilson, to be honest with you. I don't know. Yeah, man. it's true. <laughs> You love to see it, man. All right, Tim, we're not going to let it get biased today. We're going to get right into the history segment right now, and then we'll wrap up with some 33rd team mock draft talk. That's cool with you guys. Let's just go ahead and jump into the history um, because if we keep missing history segments, we're not going to get through this series this offseason. <laughs> so I know we've got plenty of time to hit it, but there's going to be other weeks where we don't hit any history at all because simply we're, you know, got more to talk about, whether it's free agency, the draft, all that good stuff. But in this episode here, you know, we kind of pick up with the Hungry Five, and, and it'll explain who the Hungry Five is. Um, you know, Curly Lambeau being one, four other business owners in the area that wanted to keep the Packers afloat. And then, of course, um, you've got uh, the, the forming of Green Bay Incorporated, Green Bay Packers Incorporated, and you'll get your second stock sale. I watched this earlier this morning, this segment. Uh, you'll get the introduction to Arnie Herber, which we played a little bit of clip a few weeks ago. Uh, on Arnie Herber, and then of course Don Hudson, and, and specifically in this clip, you'll get a little a little taste of Don Hudson, Curly Lambeau, and Arnie Herber shutting up what at the time would have been a podcaster. To be honest with you, he was the guy that was on the radio, and all he did, you guys know what I'm talking about too. There's fans out there. We got some fans that watch the show that the only time I hear from them is when they disagree, right? 
Yep. And when it gets to that point, now it's time to kind of part ways. If you, if all you want to do is argue, there's no place for you. If you want to have a a uh, you know an educated you know discussion and and hey look here's my side, what do you think of this? And a, a little back and forth, totally cool. Nobody's going to look at someone's opinion and go, oh that's stupid. But if you come at us and say it's stupid, life's too short, man. We're just going to move on. You got a guy that used to buy a radio spot, right, just so he could basically give Curly Lambeau hell on the decisions he was making. And I love the way this clip ends. Again, it's about eight minutes long, but this is a really solid clip. The ending is worth the wait. But here we go. This is from the Packers Legacy documentary. We're picking up in the 30s here. They are already have won three straight championships, and now you're going to see, uh, the, uh, like I said, the second stock sale. You'll see Don Hudson come on the scene and Arnie Herber, and then begin to dominate the league. Time and again, the community and its leaders refuse to let go. That is when the Hungry Five really came into play. The people that led them out of those dark days. They were described as the Hungry Five, not because they were hungry for food, not because they were hungry for football, but because they were hungry for money. Always able to find the funds, these long-standing Green Bay businessmen were a critical component to the survival of the franchise. The Hungry Five, these were successful people. They had imagination and uh, dedication. There's uh, Gerald Clifford, um, who, who is the attorney for the Packers. He guides them through this receivership and the leadership of Curly Lambeau, Dr. W. W. Kelly, Andrew Turnbull and then Lee Joannes, who, who's the president at the time. It's a civic pride in terms of being part of the Packer organization and making sure that the Packer organization keeps going. If all the businesses and the industry would pool their resources and try to promote the city of Green Bay, all of that money could not have purchased for the city of Green Bay what the Green Bay Packers did through its spirit and pride and enthusiasm. January 29th, 1935. Following 17 months in receivership, Green Bay's NFL franchise reorganizes as the Green Bay Packers Incorporated. Yet again, the Packers look to the community for much needed funds, calling up the second stock sale in their history. The team was not doing well financially and they raised roughly $12,000, $13,000 and that money from the stock helped them to move forward past those dark days. Another crisis that we were able to overcome because of the people in this community. Gerald Clifford was the one who drafted the Articles of Incorporation. The second time around, they were done in such a manner that they've remained a community-owned team. Of course, Curley continued to produce good football teams. He knew how to pick down. That was just one quality, I think, that superseded everything else. Added to the mix is a tough and wily guy by the name of Hinkle. He was a fullback at 202 pounds, linebacker. He averaged over 58 minutes a game. He did the kicking as well. The old timers used to tell me Clark Hinkle was Jim Taylor on offense and Ray Nitschke on defense. Pretty hard to top that. If you just look at photos of Inkle at the time, he looks like he, he's gonna be vicious about to hit someone, and it's, I mean, it's almost scary. He was a phenomenal football player. Tougher than a rattlesnake was how one of his teammates described him. He left in 1942 and enlisted in the service for World War II and never played after that. When he left, he was a leading rusher 
in the history of the National Football Later. Buckets Goldenberg, 1933 to 1945, longest tenure of any player Packers history during the Lambeau years. An outstanding guard. An immigrant from Odessa, Ukraine, who moved to Milwaukee at the age of four. He played college football for the University of Wisconsin, Madison. I always dreamed of playing football with the Green Bay Packers, even though I could make more money with another team. So much of it is what Curley did. He had that eye for talent. He just knew what he was looking for in a player. He built championship teams here with total free agency. Throughout the entire decade of the 20s into the, the 30s, there was no college draft. So it was very important which players you could lure to play on your team. One such player, Arnie Herber. Considered one of the greatest long passers of all time. His fingers were short and stubby, so he couldn't grip the football the way a normal quarterback would. First passer in the history of the league to pass for a thousand yards. Green Bay native, Pro Football Hall of Famer. Before I was throwing the long pass, 50, 60, 70 yards, and a competitor from the word go. He taught me an awful lot about the long pass. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. We were out in California playing a few exhibition games. And MGM made a little movie about the Green Bay Packers. And when we went out on the movie set one day, they had hung up a uh, pane of glass 
three feet square on the goalpost. And they gave Herbert the ball at the 50-yard line and told him to throw it through the glass. He threw the pass before the cameras are on. Garage! And broke the window pane. And they asked him, he told me he had to do it again, and he broke the pane the second time. He threw the first two right through the glass from 50 yards. Now, that's accuracy with the football. Harney Herbert needed that end that could stretch the field, and they got such an end in Mr. Don Hudson in 1935. Known as the Alabama Antelope, Curley's recruitment of Hudson is a key factor to the Packers' success. He makes big plays, catches touchdown passes. He had a ability to go out for a pass, kind of fool the defender into thinking, well, Don's at top speed, I'm staying with him. And then he'd kick it into another gear, and he'd separate and make the catch. There were not a lot of teams in the NFL at the time that featured the passing game the way Curley did, and that helped make uh, Packers very successful. With Arnie Herber having somebody he could throw the ball deep to, that really broke the team out of, out of a slump. The NFL draft was not established oh. until 1936, so that was uh, the year after we got Hudson. We were getting ready to go to uh, California to play in a Rose Bowl, and there was a fellow named Shipwreck Kelly owned the Brooklyn team. And he came down to see me. He said, if you will promise me that you will sign with Brooklyn, if I meet the best price you can get from anybody else, I'll give you $500 in spending money. The popular narrative is that Hudson eventually signed with both teams, and NFL President Joe Carr awarded him to Green Bay. There is little or no evidence Hudson signed with football's Brooklyn Dodgers. In fact, Hudson denied it at the time, and the NFL has no record of it. If I had gone to Brooklyn, I, I might have never had a career in pro ball at all. They had no passer that was strictly a Ohio State offense. His impact is immediate. He is not without his critics. There was actually a business guy in Green Bay who had a radio show. Emmett Platten. 6'4", 230 pounds, outspoken fan, local radio personality, Packers shareholder. He would criticize anybody he wanted to in Green Bay because <laughs> he was such a big guy no one was going to take him on. He was sort of irascible too. Oh, oh yeah. He was... Kind uh, of a black sheep in the family, really. Yeah, he was. He was a Packer fanatic, and he would rent time on the local radio stations to criticize Curly Lambeau's everything about him. We'd be in the locker room when everybody listened because he's critical of Lambeau. And this time he spent his entire 30-minute program telling what a lousy deal he made in signing Don Hudson. He talked about Hudson saying that he was not big enough, he wasn't going to last, he wasn't impressed with him. This kind of motivated Hudson. Packers are playing the Bears, second week of the 1935 season. It was the Packers' first play from scrimmage. Arnie Herbert takes the ball, fades back to his four-yard line. Hudson is streaking toward midfield, and Arnie Herbert lets that ball go. On the first play, I caught a pass for 80 yards for a touchdown. That's the first time the Packers have ever scored on the very first play of the game. That 83-yard pass silenced them. And that was the last we heard about this guy on the radio for a while. <laughs> <laughs> love that little snicker at the end too man don hudson just an absolute legend um you know it, one of those guys too immediately the conversation tim always steers back to yeah but could they do that today they weren't the same 
Absolutely they could do that today. You know why? They would have access to the same technology, the same trainers, the same everything. I, I would argue that some of those guys back in the day, um, they they came up so rough, they would be even better today. Now, maybe society would soften them down, obviously, with the way things are, the whole, you know, strong men make uh, make easy times. What is it? Hard men make easy times, right? Easy times make easy hard. men. Easy, yep. easy men make hard times, right? And you get this vicious cycle back then, man. Those coming out of World War One, which is when the NFL was really kind of founded, right? You come out of World War One, it was World War One vets coming back shell shocked and everything, and they started playing football to make a little, not even really to make a little money to pass the time when they weren't working in the mines and things like that. Just some hard nosed men and women too at the time. I mean, my gosh, what our what our ancestors had to go through, you know, coming up through the the depression and all that. And then we, you know, our electricity goes out for 10 minutes or the internet's down for, you know, for a half a day and we're over here pouting up like it's the end of the world. Right. So yeah. what do you think about that though, Tim? There's a lot, a lot in that history segment there, man. Arnie Herber, like I said, Don Hudson, um, Don Hudson putting that, uh, that, uh, that old school podcaster to bed. Right. <laughs> yeah. The founder of Packers Twitter before, uh, before it existed. Yeah. You know, and uh, Clark Hinkle in there too. Another another oh. legend that doesn't get talked about enough. Um, yeah. You know what? When I watch that old footage, you know the thing that that stands out to me always is, especially on some of those touchdowns we saw, is like, you know, playing with the goalposts smack dab in the middle of the end zone, and you and you've got not not one post but two. You had the big H back then, and these guys were fearless running across the middle, throwing darts. And it's like, avoid the defender and, you know, don't impale yourself on one of the goalposts. It's just right. hanging out in the middle of the end zone, man. It was just truly a different, different era and um, fun to watch those old highlights, man. No, it is. And it's a good point too. Like that's another angle to strategy too. Like with the goalposts, I guarantee you defenses would play defense. Like, okay, if you we were in the middle of the field, it's like, all right, listen, cheat to the outside a little bit more. We got the goalpost there too. Yeah. I mean, I bet that was a real thing. I really do. Yeah. Um, pretty wild, man. Another thing too, many people don't know, but when the game started the whole touchdown, right. You know, the reason it was called a touchdown is you, you were supposed to get across the goal line and touch the ball on the ground. And that was considered a touchdown. That's where you got the points. And obviously over the years, as you just break the plane, it's considered a touchdown, but that's where it got its, it's uh it's turned from obviously, but uh, I'm pretty sure that's from rugby too. If I remember correctly, they got to kind of touch the ball on the ground or whatever, but really that's what football was. It evolved from rugby. Yep. And uh, yeah, it's uh, I don't know, man, it's, it's just awesome to go back in time and watch some of these old videos and, and thank God it's preserved. And like I said, Packers doing an excellent job on their YouTube channel with that Packers legacy documentary. You guys make sure you go share it and let's get it more views for them because it's, it's just something that I think every football fan needs to watch. I think they would have a greater appreciation for the history of the Packers, but Doug talking about the, uh, the radio broadcaster and, and Curly Lambeau and them putting them to bed. He said, keeping receipts back in 1937. That was the, definitely the equivalent to receipts in, uh, in 37, no doubt about it, man. Um, let's see what else we got here in the chat. Christian says throws a ball 50 yards in a pane of glass. Wow. Maybe not a big deal today, but back then, wow. And, you know, Jay pointed something. I said, these days they can't even hit the target in the Pro Bowl games when you think about it. You know, it was like Dan Orlovsky and some of the guys that aren't in the game anymore. Yeah. Hitting the ben, target Kurt, Kurt, ben Kurt was throwing darts. You see yeah. his videos. And then you got like, you know, Jalen Hurts can't hit the broadside of a barn. Isn't it amazing? And, it, and again, it, 
one of the things that's not talked about in football enough, in my opinion, is how you perform when you're actually out there on the field, how you process information. There's there's guys that that could have been more accurate, had stronger arms than some of the best players in the history of the game. The problem was they couldn't do it under pressure. They couldn't do it on the field. They couldn't do it in processing information in real time. Um, it's just thin threads, man, thin threads, whether or not someone makes it in the league. Um, let's see. Let's go back a little bit here. Go ahead, Tim. What were you going to say, Bo? No, I was just going to say, you know, arm talent and all of that is great. But if you can't if you yeah. can't process the game, there's no way you're going to play quarterback in the NFL. It's just too complex. And, you know, you can have all the physical attributes in the world, man. But if you can't read a defense, if you don't if you don't know your personnel groupings, if you don't know your checks and your, you know, your protections, all, all of these things that happen in the span of, you know, 11 seconds as you count down to a snap, I mean – those, you know, those are why you see guys that maybe have less arm talent or less physical ability, but they're so good at the technical parts of the game. That's why they end up having, you know, successful careers. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Chris in the chat says, trying to get my wife to learn more about the history of the Green Bay Packers. So thank you for introducing me to these. Hey, you're welcome, buddy. Like I said, all, all we ask is go share that video. Make sure that everyone knows about that that legacy documentary yep. on YouTube. It, and it, the price is great. You know, it's it's free 99. Doesn't cost a dime. So make sure you uh, you guys keep spreading the word there. Um, but, yeah, it's just uh, another thing, too, Tim, is you were talking about, you know, why some players make it and some don't. Think of Jordan Love, right? Um, one of the things he has too that many quarterbacks probably don't have that don't make it in the league is that feel in the pocket. It's like he's got eyes in the back of his head almost. And Aaron was good at this. Brett was somewhat good at it too. Being able to just feel the rush without seeing it and knowing. Yeah. Hey, I couldn't tell you how many times I'm going to get rid of the ball, get rid of the ball, and at the last second he bells out. I'm like, how did he know that guy was there? It's like they just had this internal clock or maybe it's just – feel maybe maybe it's listening to as silly as that sounds hearing the guys bearing down on them you know whether they're in a, a hand fight or whatever you know with the offensive line just uh just wild man some some guys have it and some guys don't it's true no doubt about it um let's see here uh chad ink in the in the chat said what's really crazy is the shape of the ball back then it made it harder to throw because it was more round those dudes were uh still dropping dimes it, you had to almost cradle it in your hand like yeah. you know you know, and, and almost push it as you threw it. Um, I agree. If they had the modern-day football, imagine what Arnie Herbert could have done with the modern-day football. Oh, my gosh, man. And, again, Arnie Herbert, we pointed out on a, on a past episode, how did he end up on the Packers? He played high school football in Green Bay. That's where he was from. He went to college, and the college program got canceled wherever he went to college at. He comes back to Green Bay, and he's working as a handyman at the facility for the Packers. And Curly Lambeau's gave him a tryout, say, come out on the field, let's see what you can do. He ended up being a Hall of Fame quarterback, throwing a Don Hudson. Just absolutely wild, man. Thin threads, thin threads. Earlier in the chat, they were talking about the tight ends we, we were chatting about. Ron Sample said the tight ends have such great attitudes. You know, the thing that popped in my mind as I read that chat, Tim, back in training camp, <clears throat> LaFleur said he was leading, leaving the facility one evening, and as he walked out, he looked into, like, the players' lounge or whatever, and Luke Musgrave and Tucker Kraft were sitting there studying the playbook together. And this was like after everyone else left the facility. It's a big thing with the Packers draft process, man, is these background checks and getting those guys that that want to be a part of something uh, bigger than themselves and obviously are willing to put in the work, man. I think that's a real thing for sure. Building a team, not collecting talent. Bingo. That's it, man. Um, that's the old Bill Belichick slash uh, Michael Lombardi quote. Uh, Jay in the chat said, hope we can keep both of them for the long haul craft and Musgrave. Here's a beautiful thing, Jay. 
as it sits right now, we've got them under contract for three years and at really good deals, right? And I don't have the exact cap hit pulled up, but obviously those rookie deals in the second and third round, pretty nice. So they can't even they can't even hold out or try to renegotiate a contract until year three, right? You got to have two years in the league. The new CBA will not allow people to hold out for a contract at that point. You're just it's not that you can't hold out. I guess you could and ruin your career, but teams aren't even allowed to extend you until year three if you were drafted. Okay. So um, we got them under contract for three more years. So it'll be 2024, 25, and 26. And uh, obviously by next year, you want to try to decide all right, which one of these two tight ends is the tight end of the future, and then be prepared to move forward with him and then probably replace the other one. It's very rare that teams will re-sign two starting caliber tight ends, right? Just especially if they're if they're both worthy of starting caliber money. The last team that comes to mind for me, honestly, was the Patriots back when they had uh Gronk and Hernandez. And and I remember Hernandez getting that huge contract because I watched a ton of documentaries on his whole, you know, everything that happened around his life and, and the tragedy there. And it, you know, the way he sold you know, it, all he talked about is a Patriot way, the Patriot way. And it, he, everything on the surface seemed like this is a guy you want to build a team around too. So they took the plunge and said, let's stay in 12 personnel. Let's sign both of these guys, to contracts. And obviously um, everything that, that transpired, we won't get into all that, but that's the last team I can think of. Tim, can you think of another team that signed two tight ends to starting caliber money? What I mean by that is like top 10 tight end money. Yeah, no, I can't. I mean, that's the, First and last one that comes to mind is is New England. Yeah, definitely. Chris in the chat said, if I had a choice, I'd keep Kraft over Musgrave, mainly because, because he can run block. Chris, here's how I would answer that question. If somebody asked me that question and they said, remove all draft status, remove all salary cap implications, you've got this player and this player. Who would you rather have as your number one tight end? No BS. Mine is Tucker Kraft. That's just me personally. And yeah, that's not, I'd move Musgrave to receiver. <laughs> there you go. You get them both, right? There you go. We'll have a little like it'll be like a, a a white Megatron over there. You know, we'll we'll right. take it. <laughs> I like it, man. But yeah, that's that's that would be my choice though. If I had to choose between the two, it'd be Tucker Craft. And that's not the knock Luke Musgrave. You guys know, like I said, I was really high on him. Um, it's just. Tucker Craft is just he's got that that it factor in the game too that is you know how many times did we see Tucker Craft you know he 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 bobbled balls at times right stumbling things like that we you know you heard LaFleur say and and Musgrave stayed on his feet remembering that one play on the throwback or whatever yep on the uh the wagon wheel dragon wheel whatever um so it, to me, Tucker Kraft just seems like he's he's more NFL ready at this moment. Now, Musgrave may come out in year two and completely scorch him. If he does, that's a really good really good sign for the Packers because that means he is really taking a step forward. The awesome thing, though, is you've got two guys in the same position room that are going to continue to push each other. I think that's huge, too. Um, Absolutely. Let's see what else we got here. Chris said, I found those videos on YouTube yesterday. Can't wait to start watching them, man. You're going to love them. They're absolutely awesome. And uh, Jay in the chat says, these days you can't even hit the target in the Pro Bowl games. We already hit on that, right? So let's see what else we got here before we move on to the next one. Um, <laughs> what is this? A AJ Rolfs in the chat. Of course, I pop over there. BB is captain of the Kankles Club. First thing I see. So evidently they're talking about Cooper BB, right? And, and he said it's a good thing, by the way. Um, I think this is AFAM. Look at AFAM with all the burners in here. I he looks way more professional here, too. He's probably going, oh, crap, I got the wrong account. 
So he's <laughs> signing out real quick. But uh, he said, I hope we get Cooper Beebe in a Packers uniform. That name's been mentioned a lot to me in the chat. Um, I try not to get attached to specific names. You know what I mean? Because the board is going to fluctuate a little bit. Yeah. I just want the best talent available. Um, but Cooper BB keeps getting mentioned to me for sure, man. Um, so let's see here. What else we got? I think we're good here. I think we're good. Um, let's go one more. Here. Josh says, Josh says, I never really dove too deep into the history of the Packers until this show. Absolutely a whole new love for the game and this team. That's what we're looking for, man. Glad you're enjoying it, Josh. I'm glad you enjoyed it. We're just trying to get people addicted like us. That's right. We're the, we're the Packers history pusher, man. You know <laughs> um, with that being said, let's let's dive into some draft talk. You good with that, Tim? I think that's a yes. All right. Here we go. This is the 33rd team's mock draft. Okay, I'm going to go full screen here for a second so you guys can see it really well. They did a mock draft, and this was by Marcus Mosher. I don't know who he is. He's obviously a contributor over there at 33rd team. He did a mock draft. And here's what it starts off with. It says the NFL combine kicks off next week. And that's when many players will start to see their draft stock rise or fall. Athletic testing matters, whether it's whether we like it or not. And it's what separates players from one another. So before the events are kicked off in Indianapolis, talking about the combine, here is our new two round mock draft. See, I take this information when I compile my draft board, I want absolutely no combine noise, no pro day noise at all. I want to know this information is strictly based off what they did on the field, Tim, right? This is what they did on in college. And this is how the scouts felt going into the, Hey, take off all the pads, strip down to everything that you possibly can. So you can run as fast as possible, even though we know this is not how fast you're going to run in the game. And some people run, uh, you know, faster in the game with pads on than they do without the pads, uh, you know, compared to other people. It's what we call game speed. Right. And, and will it actually translate? So I like to build my, my board around this type of information, not necessarily a mock draft, but information this time of year before the combine numbers hit. It's absolutely huge. And then when the combine hits, I've got my own modifiers I add in. I won't even focus on adjusting my board to to uh, to throw any other information in other than a little bit of a combine bonus. But I don't penalize anybody for combine numbers, me personally. Now, I'm not trying to predict who the Packers are taking. Many people like to try to be that. I told you they were going to take them because they look through the, the measurements of who, what the Packers really like. We'll mention that from time to time. I just want you to know, None of that information goes into my board. And it's how we end up with someone like a Puka Nakua last year that we were kind of high on and, and many people weren't. And he comes out and just absolutely tears it up because on the field, on the tape, and through PFF before all the combine stuff, he was an absolute stud. Another one that that kind of got dogged a little bit was Kyle Hamilton, right? Kyle Hamilton ended up being a stud. Didn't surprise me one bit. He was my number two prospect that year. And it's not that I graded him out or I watched the tape. This is all the people that I trust putting all this information into the database and coming up with a draft board. It's just something that we've done. I've done since 2010 now, so for, this is my 14th year doing it, and it's just been an absolute blast. But here's the mock draft from our man Marcus Marcus Mosher. I hope I'm saying that name right. With the number one pick, you got the Chicago Bears taking Caleb Williams. I'm going to focus on the top ten because that's going to kind of shape the draft, and then we'll go rapid fire, and I want to see who the Packers took. This is a two-round mock draft okay so Chicago Bears took Caleb Williams quarterback out of USC number two the commanders took Jaden Daniels quarterback out of LSU number three the Patriots took quarterback out of North Carolina Drake May with the number four pick the Cardinals take Marvin Harrison Jr. wide receiver out of Ohio State 
Uh, with the number five pick, the Chargers take Brock Bowers tied in out of Georgia. I like that pick there for Justin uh, Justin Herbert for sure. Uh, number six, you got the New York Giants taking wide receiver Malik Neighbors out of LSU. Number seven, the Titans took Joe Alt offensive tackle out of Notre Dame. That's a huge pick at number seven. I think him and Caleb Williams are the best players in this draft. Caleb Williams, um, Joe Alt, and then, of course, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. are the top three. If, if you land Joe Alt at number seven, you're doing pretty darn good there. Atlanta Falcons took Rome Adunzi, wide receiver out of uh, Washington. At number nine, you've got the Chicago Bears taking Terry and Arnold, cornerback out of Alabama. Number 10, New York Jets took Fashanu, um, Olu Fashanu, offensive tackle out of Penn State. Anything you want to comment on there, I could scroll up or down for you, Tim, in that top 10 of the 33rd team's mock draft. Um, no, that looks uh, – I don't Nothing know. That looks pretty interesting. That. Yeah. Okay. All right, now we'll go rapid fire and let's get to the Packers picks here. We got number 11, the Vikings took Quinyon Mitchell. So they they got him mocked to number 11. Remember when he was li- he was listed as the third best corner, Tim? Yep. And and now you're seeing like he's he's coming in as a second corner here, but I mean, coming in at number 11, that would not surprise me one bit. And it's all going to come down to the combine whether it fluctuates a little bit. Uh Denver Broncos at number 12. I love this pick. I absolutely love this pick because the more quarterbacks that are taken, the more it helps the Green Bay Packers. They've got the Denver Broncos taking J.J. McCarthy, quarterback out of Michigan. 13, the Raiders. You've got Fuaga, offensive tackle out of Oregon State. Um, New Orleans Saints at number 14. J.C. Latham, offensive tackle from Alabama. Number 15, you've got Indianapolis Colts taking Dallas Turner, edge defender out of Alabama. Number 16, the Seahawks take Latu, edge out of UCLA. Number 17, the Jaguars take Nate Wiggins, cornerback out of Clemson. Um, Cincinnati Bengals at number 18 take Amarius Mims, offensive tackle out of Georgia. Number 19, the Rams take Jared Verse, edge defender out of Florida State. Number 20, the Steelers take Tyler Guyton, offensive tackle out of Oklahoma. 21, the Miami Dolphins take Jackson Powers Johnson, interior offensive lineman from Oregon. Um, So you see him come off the board at 21. At 22, you got the Eagles taking Cooper DeGene, cornerback out of Iowa. Number 23, the Houston Texans take wide receiver Brian Thomas Jr. out of LSU. And then 24, the Cowboys take Byron Murphy, interior defensive lineman out of Texas. So here we are at number 25 for the Packers. And who do they take, Tim? We actually mocked him several times, if I remember correctly. They take Jerzan Newton, interior defensive lineman um, out of Illinois. It might be Jerzan. I've heard it said both ways. We'll find out. If, if and when he is drafted by the Packers. But Jerzon Newton, we had him on our in our notes here on our little cheat sheet as far as defensive linemen. Our defensive linemen ranked Chris Jenkins one, Jerzon Newton number two. Okay, so Chris Jenkins still hasn't come off the board yet, but the 33rd team thinks that Jerzon Newton would be picked before Chris Jenkins. Now, remember, he was our bet. He was the best interior defensive lineman at pass rush. Okay. That he graded out first of the top four that we had listed. We graded them all out. Run defense, he was fourth, though. This seems like a goody pick here, Tim. What does he love with interior defensive lineman? Pass rush. Pass rush. Yep. So this makes a lot of sense, man. What do you think about that pick right there? Well, as crazy as it sounds, I. I would hope we'd go interior offensive line before we went interior defensive line uh, in the first round. But this pick does make a lot of sense. I can see, you know, why, you know, this mock came up with this pick because it does. This just reeks of a of a Brian Gutekunst pick right here. You know, we're all thinking corner, safety, you know, all these other what like I just mentioned interior offensive line or possibly a tackle. And it's like, nope, we're going to take Jerzan Newton, interior defensive line. 
pass rushing freak. That's what we do here in Green Bay. So I think it makes a lot of sense. It really does. It, it really does. This this seems like it would be a goody pick. It really does. Um, and again, we've got as far as needs, we've got defensive line listed as we need a starting defensive tackle, right? Yeah. Because I I personally think that that uh, Devontae Wyatt, you know, hasn't kind of lived up to the hop yet. He's a good pass rusher, but he's just he's really really really. Um, a liability in the run game right now. You got Kenny Clark that's getting a little bit older. We don't know how much longer he's going to be here. I think this would make a lot of sense. Again, it wasn't one of our top needs, but I did have it listed as a need at starter. Right. Um, so again, our needs were four safeties, four corners, three offensive linemen, two linebackers, and one starting defensive lineman. So here's what the scouting report says on him from the 33rd team: six foot two, 295 pounds. He's junior, so a little bit young. Uh, fit the Green Bay Packers don't have many defined needs. Really? Huh. But adding another uh, interior sure rusher, yeah, adding another interior rusher is never bad. Jerzon Newton was incredibly productive over the last two seasons at Illinois, racking up 26 and a half tackles for a loss and 13 sacks. He's a little undersized, but we've seen smaller defensive tackles get drafted much higher than this. So uh again, there's a couple of times we mocked him um to the Packers, and the reason being was he was best player available. And again, if if he's at the top of the Packers board when they pick here, don't be surprised if they do go with Jerzon Newton. That and that's gonna have to give up that number four though. We oh yeah yeah number four to wear it, title yeah. town, and you can't wear fourteen either because that's Mr. Don Hudson we just talked about. That's that. right. So may have to go with a I don't know a defensive lineman wearing forty four would be cool. I don't know who's got forty four on the roster right now, but. Nonetheless, you get drafted in the first round, you probably cut a little bit of that that bonus check, that rookie bonus check, and get that number you wanted. But all right, let's rattle through the rest here and then get through the second round because we should have two in the second round, if I remember correctly, which is absolutely awesome. So Tampa Bay, Graham Barton from uh, Duke, offensive lineman. Uh, Arizona Cardinals, Troy Fontana, offensive tackle out of Washington. Uh, Buffalo Bills, Kool-Aid McKinstry, cornerback out of Alabama. So you're seeing like we would be cool with Kool-Aid McKinstry, right, uh, in this 25th spot. But again, they went Jerzon Newton. So you're seeing some of these names that I go, I'd be okay with that. I'd be okay with that. Uh, Detroit Lions, Darius Robinson, a defensive lineman out of Missouri. Remember him that showed up at the uh, the Senior Bowl? Yep, another another one we had on our radar for yep. sure. And, and Jake Shavink has talked about him a lot. Um, he's climbed all the way to the first round mock here with the 33rd team. You're going to see him soar up the boards, no no doubt about it. Baltimore Ravens at number 30 take Enos Rakestraw Jr., cornerback out of Missouri. Number 31, the San Francisco 49ers take Jordan Morgan, uh, offensive tackle out of Arizona. Kansas City at number 32 takes Keon Coleman, wide receiver out of Florida State. They get uh, Patrick Mahomes, another target there. So let's move on to the second round. Panthers take um, at number 33, the Panthers take uh, Mitchell, wide receiver out of Texas. Number 34, the Patriots take Ladd McConkey, wide receiver out of Georgia. 35, the Cardinals take Chop Robinson. We've talked about him a little bit. Edge uh, defender out of Penn State. Number 36, the Commanders take uh, Kamari Lassiter, cornerback out of Georgia. You guys know we did one mock draft where we took we traded down and took Kamari Lassiter. You remember that? That was our that was the one we really liked, wasn't it, Tim? Yep. Let, me, uh, let me flash that on the screen real quick because that's interesting. They've got Lassiter going number 36 to the Commanders. And our favorite draft that we've done so far was right here. We took Lassiter at 29. We traded out of 25 to 29 and picked up a 61st pick, and we took Lassiter there at 29. So you can see he would be in play for that trade down, according to the 33rd team, no doubt about it. So just interesting how that fell into place there. Um, so, again, that was Lassiter to the Commanders at 36. The Chargers took to Vondre Sweat, defensive lineman out of Texas. So when we picked defensive lineman earlier – 
if if Goody came down to it and said, "All right, we're going to take a D lineman here," we had them ranked. Tavondra, we had them ranked. Chris Jenkins one, Jerzon Newton two, which is the one we end up taking. Then Tavondre Sweat third, and then Byron Murphy fourth. So I think all of those but Chris Jenkins have gone already. So just keep that in mind, and he'll probably be going here real soon, I would imagine. Um, Xavier Worthy, number thirty-eight to the Titans, wide receiver. Bo Nix, quarterback out of Oregon, going to the Giants at thirty-nine. Number 40, the Commanders take Chris Braswell, edge out of Bama. And here we are with the Packers. At number 41, the Green Bay Packers select Kingsley Suamataya. I think is how you say it. Suamataya. However you pronounce the name. Offensive tackle out of BYU. So you, Who? <laughs> you see interior defensive lineman. And you see offensive tackle. There are people losing their mind looking at this mock right now going, what? It seems like it happens every year, guys. We look up and go, Goody, what are we doing? Like, why? Why We didn't need that. And then you look up in three years and go, okay, it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> right? So that's a, that's an interesting pick there. Let's see if we get a profile on him. Oh, no. It done screwed me all up here, didn't it? You guys can't see. What, what are you seeing on the screen right now, Tim? Uh, we are seeing round two. Okay, same thing. All right, cool. I pulled it up in a separate window. It sent me to a separate window. I'm going to read a little bit about Kingsley Suamataya. Okay, six foot five, three hundred and twenty-five pounds. Hometown was Orem, uh, Utah. He's a a three-year sophomore. That's interesting. Um, it doesn't show his exact age, but that's okay. Um, the player rankings and grade. He was thirty-sixth overall, seventh in his position. Had a grade of six point six which according to the 33rd team is low-end starter, okay? It said he has the uh, coveted combination of youth, size, power. Well, that sounds like Goody, don't it? Youth, size, and power. And athletic abilities develop into a very good NFL tackle, but his inexperience shows in his lack of awareness and technique, making it difficult to trust him in pass protection right now, okay? And uh, his strengths are size and length, uh, natural strength and power, Athletic upside. His weakness is awareness, hand placement, and pass protection uh, productivity. Okay, so just one of those raw physical talents. Kind of sounds like a goody pick. I ain't gonna lie, guys. Um, so just keep that in mind. That's where that's who they mocked at forty-one. Let's keep this thing rolling because I think we got us another pick coming up, don't we? Yeah, at fifty-seven. So forty-one, we said it. Uh, let's see, forty-two. Vikings take Zach Frazier, center, out of West Virginia. Forty-three. The Falcons take Braylon Trice, edge, out of Washington. Forty-four. The Raiders take Edgerin Cooper, linebacker, out of Texas A&M. Forty-five. New Orleans Saints take Troy Franklin, wide receiver, out of Oregon. Forty. Uh, Forty-six. The Colts take Tyler Newbin, safety, out of Minnesota. So you see Newbin going forty-six right there, Tim. We could have taken him at 41. What do you think about that, man? Do you, would you rather have a tackle there if he's higher on the board, or would you reach a bit and go get Tyler Newbin to ensure you got him there at 41? That's the big question we keep coming up with, isn't it? It sure is. Um, yeah, that's tough to answer. That's This is why I don't want Goody's job at all. Um, <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm a defensive guy, man. I, I would go after I would go after a safety. Um, you know, Newbin for sure, but I don't know. It's tough because, you know, we talked about tackle and, uh, you know, kind of uncertainty there going forward. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting for sure. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm I like Newbin. I do. I really yeah. do. I just I don't know as far as, you know, taking him quite, you know, quite soon in the draft. I, 
you know, yeah. you don't want to swing and miss and, and waste a pick, but right, right. That's a, that's a tough part because like 25, if you if you think take safety at 25, everyone goes, No, you're reaching way too far. 41, right. you're still reaching a bit, but it's like, okay, there's there's little to no chance that Newbin will be available after the 41st pick, right? It's just probably not gonna now it could be something that the Packers trade back up. Like, you know what I mean? Like, let's right. say they let's say they took, you know what they did at 25 and then they picked at 41 and then let's say they catch wind that the Colts are on Newbin and you could trade with the new Orleans saints. So maybe you package a couple picks and trade up to 46. You know, we did that last year. Remember we traded back and then I think it was last year. Didn't we trade back twice, but we ended up trading up to get someone, if I remember correctly. Yep. Well, it's, it's all a big blur. We've definitely traded up in the past, especially there in the second round. So there's a chance that you could try to leapfrog back over someone. And here's the thing too. Goody may not even have Tyler Newbin, you know, on the board. Yeah. yeah. Like, like he, he may be like a, you know, a day three pick, according to Goody, right? He also yep. could be in his top 10. Nobody knows, right? This is just everyone kind of firing from the hip. So let's keep it moving. We'll wrap this thing up. Uh, 47, you got the Giants taking Patrick Paul, offensive tackle out of Houston. 48, you got the Jaguars taking Christian Haynes, offensive lineman out of UConn. You know, we were big on Christian Haynes. As a matter of fact, when we broke it down, offensive lineman wise, we have Powers Johnson one, Christian Haynes two, BB three, Fuaga four. So um, Christian Haynes was our second best offensive lineman in this draft in the early go on the board. Isn't complete yet, but that's kind of our quick evaluation. That's what we came up with. The Bengals at 49 took Roman Wilson, wide receiver out of Michigan. At 50, the Eagles take Junior Colson, my man, Junior Colson. So you miss out on him. He's the number two uh, linebacker behind uh, Jeremiah Trotter Jr., according to our little mini draft board. But, uh, again, I'm, I'm starting to lean toward Junior Colson being a better linebacker simply because the 33rd team is so high on him, and I, I put a lot of stock in what they believe. But uh, there you see that first linebacker come off the board. With the Rams at 51, you got Om- Omagaji, offensive tackle, Kyron Omagaji out of uh, Yale. At 52, you got the Steelers taking um, Mike Sainstrill, cornerback out of Michigan. At number 53, you got the Dolphins taking Jatavian Sanders, tied in out of Texas. So there's your first tight end off the board. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles taking Malachi Corley, wide receiver out of Western Kentucky. Uh, Cleveland Browns at 55, taking Chris Jenkins, defensive lineman out of Michigan. As we mentioned earlier, we ended up taking Jerzon Newton. I actually had um, Chris Jenkins as the best defensive lineman in this draft. You see him fall all the way down to 55 to the Cleveland Browns. I think that's a solid pick. Dallas Cowboys take Jonathan Brooks running back out of Texas. That will be kind of somewhat of a, a partial red shirt for his rookie year with the ACL. And then at number 57, Tim, the Green what? Bay Packers select Cameron Kinchins. Safety out of You my- sure about that? You sure about that? <laughs> So if they end up taking Cam Kinchins, let's see what the 33rd team says about Cam Kinchins at the moment. You guys know the PFF uh, rankings adjusted yesterday or the day before yesterday maybe to where Cam Kinchins dropped all the way down to like number 80. And and we'll see if that shakes back out and he climbs back up, if there was some kind of glitch or maybe they're just organizing over there. We'll see how it unfolds. But here on the 33rd team, here's the scouting report for Cam Kinchins, and we'll wrap this thing up. Uh, Safety out of Miami, three-year junior. He's 5'11", 205, hometown Miami, Florida. Um, it sounds silly. When you grow up in Florida, Green Bay's a lot different, right? Yeah. Keep that in mind. Just um, a bit. You know, like Tucker Craft playing in South Dakota, right? It helps. It helps <laughs> that you're you're used to some of that cold weather. I mean, you see the guy out there ice fishing. Maybe that's why he played well 
down the stretch in Green Bay. He's used to the cold. It's just it's it is it is a factor. Uh, his player, the player ranks and grade. He's 29th overall according to the 33rd team, second at his position behind Tyler Newbin, and a 6.7 grade, which means he's a strong starter. So they're higher on this pick. He has a higher grade than the tackle we took. And you're going, well, why would we take a tackle earlier then if that's the case? Because Goody loves, and they know that's what the 33rd team's taking into consideration. He loves those project guys, high ceiling athletic guys. Think Quay Walker, right? In my opinion, Quay Walker still hasn't kind of lived up to a first round, uh, a first round talent in my opinion, but he's got that upside. He's got that, that very, very high ceiling because of physical ability. Um, this is the year, Clayton. This is going to be the year. The year I'm what? Calling it now, Quay Walker unleashed year Dude, three I, in this new I defense. Hope it happens, bro. God, I hope it happens. <laughs> and, and maybe, maybe having a couple stack backers next to him in that four three, maybe that helps him. You know what I mean? Maybe that's what he's more comfortable with. We'll see. I think that's one thing. It could, you could see the linebacker play elevate a bit, right? Yep. But something's got to take a hit. There's there's strengths and weaknesses to everything, right? With a four three, I think you. I, it's just it's hard for me to look at it and go, here's what's going to get better, here's what's going to get worse because we don't know what defense Halfley's going to call. But yep. him having rather than just one backer there with him in the middle in that nickel or in that in that base, maybe having one on each side will allow him to play a little quicker. It could be yep. the case. We'll see. Um, Kitchens though, 29th overall, like I said, six point seven strong starter grade. Kitchens is a physically aggressive safety who can be versatile piece at all levels of the defense, uh, but he will need to be better to better his man coverage abilities and eye discipline to reach his full potential at the next level. Here's the beautiful thing: if we go middle field close, which it sounds like Halfley probably will, we'll see. Um, we'd be playing a lot of cover one man and a lot of cover three with him playing deep safety. He shouldn't be in man coverage very often. He will be the deep safety if we do draft him. So his strengths are physicality, coverage instincts, downhill speed. His weaknesses are over-aggressiveness. Boy, fans are going to love that. <laughs> <laughs> they want more aggression. You're going to get it with him. He's soft in man. Luckily, he doesn't have to play a whole lot of man unless we go zero blitz. And he's slow to redirect. So that's his weaknesses. So. There you go. Um, that's how the mock draft laid out for the Packers. I don't think there's any more picks. Yeah, that's just basically it. So um, interesting to see. It's important to kind of cover all angles, you know, and look at different different websites and where they have people rank, where they have people go. And I think it's important to kind of look at it from, from multifacets for sure. Um, yeah. That being said, Tim, you got anything else, man? We look at this. We're at the hour mark. We did good, buddy. Um, yeah, no, I think that uh... – that's probably one of the more interesting uh, mocks that we've seen, um, you know, recently. And uh, I'm with you. You know, things are going to change here. Combine's coming up. You know, I don't know. You, you guys are going to rise and fall. And, uh, you know, we can predict all we want. The, the The best thing we can do from our perspective is just try to learn as much as we can about these players that are on our radar and, um, you know, hope that some of the guys that we're interested in end up being drafted. But, you know, like you had said about Newman, you know, for all we know, he's not even on Goody's radar. You know, he right. may, Goody may really like Kenshin's. He may really like, you know, there's other, other safeties and, uh, and corners in this draft. So uh, I do think that we might see more of an emphasis on the defensive side of the ball in this draft, just because I think we need some pieces there. Um, but again, what the heck do I know? So it just makes me look forward to draft day that much more, you know? Yeah, for sure. And, uh, 
again, I'm going to continue to remove the emotion, remove the personal bias and build this board out. And I'm excited to see how the board, uh, the final, the final uh, project ends up here. And I'll try to keep you guys updated. I'm going to put about 30 more prospects into the system today as far as another aspect of their grade and their average. And then, of course, the only thing that should be left as I wrap up this stage of my draft board will be combine bonuses and uh, Greg Cosell bonuses. Okay. And then that'll adjust, that'll, that'll have a pretty decent impact. Notice I didn't say combine penalties. I will not penalize any player for combine performance. I just will not do it because I'm telling you, it always comes back to bite people in the rear end. Um, Trust the tape over the combine numbers. What the combine should do is confirm what you've seen on tape. It shouldn't, you know, if you've seen something bad on tape, he's already low on the board and the combine will confirm. Yep. He's got bad athleticism. He's not there. If you've seen something good on the tape and he comes out and has a great combine, you go, that confirms it. Let's raise him up the board, right? But if he comes out in the combine and he bombs out but the tape was good, it should be, okay, we didn't get confirmation, but he shouldn't be penalized to drop right. the board. All that simply means is some guys are going to raise up over others. Nobody's going to lower, go down underneath anybody, if that makes sense, so. That's Absolutely. the mindset I try to have going in, and it hasn't steered me wrong yet in that regard. Now, there are certain measurement requirements and stuff that are important. I don't put any of that into my board, and what I mean by that is the Packers have their favorite types, right? And uh, I trust – I lean on other people like Jake Shavink. I'm going to lean on him and go, hey, here's how my board sits. I'm not going to change it based off what you say, but do the, pack, do the Packers like his, his size, his agility in that, in that specific position? Um, and lean on it that way. That way the board doesn't get mixed up and convoluted, but we can get insight from others. So what I want to do is get the board complete and have Jake Shavink on with us and say, all right, here's how the board sits. What do you think about it here? If if this player is available here, do the Packers, how often would the Packers draft someone at that size, that agility, that type of thing at that position? So that's how we'll, uh, we'll walk through the offseason. It's going to be fun, man. We've got, we got plenty to talk about, no doubt about it. So, uh, uh, one last uh, comment here, a question. Chris says, anyone know the dates of the combine? The only date that I have here is kind of the uh, when it kicks off. Um, there should be specific scheduling. If you go Google it, you should be able to find it really, really easy. But if you notice here, this is the league schedule. Um, so basically, the it says February 27th through March 4th, the scouting combine, Lucas Oil Stadium, Indianapolis. So I think it uh, it technically kicks off on the 27th. But I want to say the players get there on the 26th, and maybe they even start measuring on the 26th. But if you go Google it, I guarantee you they'll have it broke down to which positions are on which days. I just don't follow the combine that closely. It'll be on in the background, and I'll be updating the board as we go. But uh, for the most part, I you know, I just know when it kicks off, and as soon as the numbers start coming in, go follow Math Bomb on Twitter, and uh, you'll get the RAS to start to get updated in real time. The RASs are what I add into my draft board as far as the bonuses. And essentially what it comes down to is anyone who has a 9-plus RAS will get the largest bonus. Anyone with an 8-plus RAS or just an 8, you know, in between 8 and 9, will get a mid-bonus. And then anyone over 7 will get a slight bonus. Anyone under that, they don't get any bonuses at all. So there's no penalizing going on from the combine numbers, if that makes sense. So that's how that – so it takes into consideration – my board will take into consideration, you know, size, you know, height, weight, and then, of course, the combine results and the pro day results as well. Some of those – some of that uh, RAS stuff doesn't come in until after the pro day because some people choose not to go to the combine and they'll just do the pro days. So 
Um, hopefully that helps you there though, Chris. All right, we're out of here, guys. Uh, appreciate you uh, you all hanging out with us, man. Um, let's see here. Chris says, Clayton, Googling it myself doesn't help the posse. Gotcha. Thanks for showing that schedule. You bet, buddy. Look at you steering the ship, my man. All right, we're out of here, guys. We appreciate y'all so much. There's a good chance we'll be back tonight for PTA Live. If not, we'll see you in the morning for Good Morning Lambo. I think as of right now, we're planning on going live for PTA Live. So uh, maybe we'll get some information. Could have a restructuring of contracts at any point. There's a lot of things that could still happen. Again, we set the, the kickoff date of the 17th. It probably wouldn't happen before the 17th that Aaron Jones's contract will be restructured. And here's the thing, too. It may not get restructured, Tim. We may be looking – Goody may be looking at this year. Probably shouldn't get into this till tonight, but we'll do it anyway. Goody's probably look, could be looking at this year and going, you know what? Let's don't do any restructures. Let's just cut Bach, free up the $20 million. We got the room we need. Let's go build in the draft. Let's don't do anything in free agency, and let's run this thing back. There's a chance that happens, right? Uh, some slight restructures. But if they kept Aaron Jones at $17 million, I would probably be surprised, but I can understand why you would do it too. You just go, hey, look. but he took a pay cut last year. Let's don't make him take a pay cut. Again, I would be surprised if it doesn't happen, but uh, at least trim a few a few million off of that. I also wouldn't be surprised if Bach is back either, and I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'd be excited about that. So. Yeah. With that being said, we're out of here. Appreciate everybody. Thank you all for hanging out in the chat. For those of you listening on the pod, thank you for making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world, and go Pat, go.